welcome to the Social Advice Podcast with your host, Rock Mitchell. Enjoy intriguing conversations and dialogue surrounding faith, fashion, technology, current events, culture, self-help, and motivation. And remember this one thing. Don't take that long to get right, shorty. Welcome to the show. international photojournalist and a humanitarian and you're listening to rock mitchell on the social vice podcast where it don't take that long to get it right beloved it's your guy rock mitchell we're back with episode number four of social advice where it don't take that long to get right shorty man this has been an amazing ride this week alone we had coach taryn we had uh or last week alone we had coach taryn we had lord funk um, we had J.E. Green, and now, we, I mean, we, we have the GOAT himself, the GOAT. And when I say the GOAT, I'm saying the greatest of all time. When it comes to building a business that is sustainable, that is has notoriety all over the world, anywhere from the U.K. to Africa to America, this is the guy. Ladies and gentlemen, Put your hands together for the one, the only, Jermaine Unique Eye. Come on. Give it up. Oh, this is the crowd. The crowd goes wild. Oh, all the ladies come out. Ah, oh, Jermaine, I want to marry you. <laughs> so I reached, I've been knowing Jermaine for a while now. I'm, I'm a big fan of his photography. A big fan of um, what he's doing. And turns out um, that other than... Wherever I can help or, or add to what he's doing, um, you know, I try my best. And then on top of that, whenever I reach out to him, he's always 100, like on some straight rock. When we doing it, let's do it. Hurry up. Don't wait. And so I reached out to him for the podcast, and he was like, bro, let's shoot. We can do it in my office. Come on. And so without further ado, I want to introduce to everybody my guy. Baltimore is favorite to have him. Jermaine Unique Eye. Come on, give it up. All right, so we're going to jump right in. Um, um, I would say, Jermaine, talk to us. Tell, introduce yourself. Tell people who you are. Um, I'm Jermaine Unique Eye. Um, my government name is Jermaine Gibbs. I'm born and raised in Baltimore City. From West now, West. a lot of people don't know that. He just gave his government. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you're on Facebook, you probably know that. But if you just follow him on Instagram and all that stuff, it's it's Jermaine Gibbs. So if you try to look him up, <laughs> so so talk to us about yourself, sir. Um, hmm. So I'm a image consultant, speaker, philanthropist, photojournalist, um, business coach, just a little bit of you know everything. I guess God just kind of just blessed me with so many great blessings. Now let me let me pause you right there because usually when people say I'm all of these things, it's people thinking that oh yeah I like to or want to do all of these things. No, he does all of these things. These things are actual finite businesses for him that that translate into dollars. Am I right? You're right. 
Okay, so let's let's jump right in. So the number one thing, if you know Jermaine, the number one thing you probably know him for is his photography. He is, I would say, if I had to categorize it, top five, top ten in Maryland, in the East Coast, probably in America, when it comes to those those epic wedding pictures. You've seen his picture. He's even he's even in um, uh, the new. African American historic. Uh, what's the name of the What's the name of the um, museum? Uh, the Smithsonian African American Heritage. Uh, no, not Heritage. African American Museum of History and Culture. Right. So that's a big deal. You just don't. You know. You just don't snap a couple pictures on your iPhone and, and end up there. Like he's taking the real. He's the real deal. So we're gonna start off with talking about how you got into photography. Um, did you? Was there a change from your uh, old career to do this and how did photography come about and where did that branch off for you? So actually um, I was a lover of photography when I was a child. Okay. Um, always walked around with a camera um, but growing up in inner city, you know, success was basketball, football, the typical, you know, sports. I, I didn't know of any um, full-time photographer that was well-known that was African-American and it wasn't taught inside the city school. So, you know, I never even thought that, you know what, let me continue studying photography and take this to the next level. So that's not how I started. Um, about seven years ago, I was injured um, and I was down for a little while. And the first thing I did was bought a camera um, and I just sat in the house cause I couldn't even, I wasn't even mobile at that time. Um, then I went out and just start showing up places, taking pictures, taking friends' pictures. And people was like, man, you're really good. Um, so I actually started just showing up at churches. Next thing you know, churches started hiring me. Um, and then people was like, you should start a business. And I was like, nah, not really. I just kind of love what I do. I'm not really trying to make money off of doing it. Um, but then it just, I just got presented with opportunity after opportunity. So I said, maybe I should start a business. And that's kind of how I started Out of the Box Photography from that point. Okay, so you hear the name of the business, Out the Box Photography. Now, let's just put it like this. So it, it, it sounds to me like you had to really leverage um, a lot of opportunities to get to where you are. And I think a lot of times when it comes down to people wanting their business to go to the next level, they don't leverage their opportunities. They don't say, okay, I took these pictures. Now let me go take a picture at the church. I took a, a picture at the church. Now the person at the church want me to go and take a picture at their salon. Then I get that business, and then the people in the salon say, "Hey, oh, you take dope pictures. We having this event. Come shoot it." Like, so is is, is that kind of like the matriculation of how it got to be as big as it is now? Or uh, talk to us about that. So actually, it kind of started with that. Um, but what I did was every time I would shoot something, I would post it on social media and tag a few people that I knew, and then they would tag a few people. And I started out with 10 followers, and then by, you know, from every shoot or every event, I was getting 20, 30, 40 new followers. Um, people was reaching out to me, asking me how can they book me, um, and that just started opening the floodgates. So, for me, the first time that I saw you was at a good friend of mine, Wade the Barber. He was, uh, he was on a reality TV show, and they were having, like, the premiere at his shop um, in Glen Burnie, W. Herloff. Shout out to Wade. He's going to be on the show in about a week. And um, I said, who's this guy taking these photos, right? Because he had a, a swag about him that was like, nah, this, 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 
this is a nice swag this guy going on. It's like he wasn't the regular corny photographer. Like he was, he was like telling people how they should pose. Like he had the whole feel. So, and he took our pictures. I was like, you know what? I want to see what these pictures look like. And so afterwards, I got a link to the, to the pictures, and the pictures were incredible. Like with the space he had to work with, the lighting he had to work with, the pictures were incredible. And so it it it, it really spoke to me in terms of you perfecting your craft. Do you think in the photography industry there's a lot of folks who think that they're a photographer and they don't have the skill set? Yes, it is definitely a lot of that going on right now um, because I see a lot of people even on social media, um, they don't understand. The first concept is a lot of people just like, oh, I'm just going to take this picture with me before I take a shot is the first thought is what do I want people to see when they look at it? Okay. So I'm more into storytelling. So I'm very focused when I'm taking a shot at the lighting got to be right. I'm making sure nothing else is in the frame. I'm making sure that the person looks right. Um, it's just a lot that really goes into it. But a lot of photographers nowadays just taking a picture and is and think it's good. But the problem is social media has people uh, thinking that there's something where they're really not. But into some people. Any picture that's better than a cell phone picture is a good picture. Right, right. And, and, and so composition is a major thing, you know. And, and I get DMs and people ask me, like, bro, how, you know, you got to talk to me about those angles you're using. Or even when I, when I produce film, they're like, dude, like, how'd you color grade that? How'd you do this? How'd you do that? And I think for me, it's you got to have the eye. And then you got to perfect it. You, you got to stay up late at night on lynda.com and, and youtube.com. I mean, learning, and you, know, you don't necessarily have to go to school for it, but you got to spend time in it. And was that a part of your learning curve, um, of research slash getting out there and doing it? Yeah, so I, uh, I did a lot of research, but really I became who I am by actually getting out there and getting my hands wet. And still to this day, every time I shoot, I learn something different. Every time and every year, at the end of each year, I look at my pictures from last year and even from the beginning of the year to now. And I was like, oh, I'm constantly seeing growth. And I'm seeing growth because I'm putting the time in to invest in equipment. I'm putting time in to learn the new things. Um, you know, I always want to get better every year. I never want to be at a standpoint where I think I know everything because I don't know half of the stuff. It's still so much more to learn. But I'm open to learning, and I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm that guy. Like, oh, I know everything. I'm the best photographer in the world. That's that's not me. Well, I think it's a lot of other people saying that about you, and that you are as humble as you are is amazing. So let me ask this question before I move on to a few other topics. Are you a Canon or a Nikon guy? I'm actually a Nikon guy. Oh my <laughs> God! Let's stop this podcast right now. Oh, I just got depressed. No, and it's cool, though, because I think in terms of pictures, Nikon is better than Canon all day, every day. I was out with uh, one of your one of your partners, um, PJ, and he, he was doing a photo shoot for my wife. Um, and the pictures out of the camera were incredible. And, and I learned that from when we did a photo shoot about a year ago. And we were asking, like, so how long does it usually take for the, the photos to come back? And he was like... Oh no, nah, bro! Sit down. I'm about to send you these photos out the camera right now, 
And he sent us the photos out of the camera, and the, they were color graded. They were perfect. And that level of expertise, your turnaround is incredible. What's your, what's your usual turnaround? Oh, um, so actually my turnaround is getting a lot better. Like now, my turnaround for a wedding used to be about 30 days, but now I'm actually turning around a wedding in 72 hours. Three days, ladies and gentlemen. Three days to turn around on the average of how many pictures, you think? Uh, roughly between six to 700 pictures. Three days, ladies and gentlemen. And he's, and he's shooting weddings multiple a week, correct? Yeah, normally probably about three or four a weekend. Three or four. So one topic that I want to jump into because the industry, the market in Maryland, I know for a video or cinematography is all jacked up. Like people don't understand the cost. Like if, if you want me to produce something for you, right? And you say, I want this, I want that, I want this. I want it to look like, and you send me a video and I want it to look like this. And I'll say, okay, and it'll look like some grade A stuff shot on a red, edited, you know, completely um, color graded in a, in a in Da Vinci Pro suite with the whole kit and caboodle, you know what I mean? Like great A audio, you know, and you want this and you want me to produce this. I can do that, right? But what those people spent in one day of shooting probably was about ten to twenty thousand dollars. You want me to reproduce that for your budget of two hundred and twenty-five dollars, and you and you mad about that? You are mad about like why is it why that cost so much? Oh, because I've already spent five thousand on my camera. I've already spent this amount, and, and I'm not into putting numbers out there, but I think it's important to set the expectation for people in Maryland, especially in our community, African American community. That taking photos and video and editing and putting it together and data storage is not a cheap thing. It's definitely not. Um, and I'm glad you brought this up. Um, it's a huge issue in Maryland. Um, and it's crazy. You can go right 45 minutes in D.C. Um, and let's just, I'm just going to throw some numbers out there. That, not that they're accurate. But let's just say for a wedding photographer in Maryland, the base, the bottom number should be about three grand. Um, DC probably started closer to 4,000. Baltimore, you tell these people the price, um, it's like, okay, I'm gonna get back to you. I already know when someone says that they're not serious, they're not gonna reach back to you, <coughs> they're they not gonna pay that money. No, um, they're not. They're gonna find their cousin that got a, 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 a rebel T2I. So, and not, and not nothing against that because rebel T2Is take some great photos, but. The level of investment you have in your equipment also speaks to your level of expertise. Exactly. So, you know, when I meet with my wedding clients, um, the first thing they do when they walk in my office, they see the images on the wall. Um, before Most of them, before they even come see me, they go on my website. So they already got in their mind. And this is kind of a good thing. I used to be felt bad about it. But they were like, oh, you're expensive. But I'm going to sit down and see how much you how much this costs anyway. Um, they come and we talk and I give them numbers and you know my, my, my what I say is now I want you to remember this 50 years from now you know you can spend 40,000 on catering and 10,000 on this and 5,000 on this but 50 years from now your memory is not gonna be as good as it is now so what will you have as a memory and the answer is your pictures and your video 
and if you spent $500 for a video, I can almost, I know, I'm not almost, I can guarantee you 50 years from now, you're going to hate that video. Even probably when you get that video, you're going to hate it. So I always tell people, you know, it's, it's an investment. So it's just like when you're going to buy a used car, you're not going to go one and buy one with holes in the windows. The seats have been burnt up, trash in the trunk. You're going to go one that's presentable, that's clean. It might not be the Mercedes, but you want to at least get something that you know that you value and it's going to last. So that should be the same way you approach when you're trying to book a photographer or a videographer or a cinematographer for your wedding. And so uh, let's just let me let me throw some more reference points out there for you. New York, there's a guy who's great. I mean, like I follow him. Um, and he's actually started teaching people over YouTube how to shoot cinematography for weddings, um, wedding film school. So you know wedding film right. school, right? And I think on one of his videos, he talked about bottom line price was close to 10000 for a wedding same-day shoot. I have folks all the time reach out to me for weddings. I don't like doing weddings. The reason I don't like doing weddings is because the folks have so much stuff that they already have to put money into in different places. I don't want to take on the responsibility of you having to remember this moment 20, 30 years from now, but I'm only doing a so-so job because you're not really willing to pay me what it costs. Now, if you are willing to pay me the standard $3,000 to do this, okay, cool. I don't mind the hours staying up all night editing, buying the plugins and things that I need to make your film look like the perfect film. I don't mind that. But the moment you say we only got $400 left over and I'm out here for eight hours going two days prior to the shoot, going and getting B-roll and all those other things. I didn't, sp I didn't work on it and then not to mention edit. So I didn't use probably a total of 50 hours on this project. Excuse me, I got a little cool. Uh, 50 hours on this project and you paid me $400, right? What's 400 divided by 50? That's eight. I'm getting paid eight dollars an hour. That's less than minimum wage. Way less than minimum wage. So, and and not and we're not griping here, but I want I want people to understand that quality picture taking. This 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 is important when it comes to the culture and keeping the culture going. So, but I'm not gonna stay there because people are gonna feel like oh, ain't nobody gonna spend all my yes yes you are. It's if you want the memory, do it the right way. So, with that being said, your Photography has also parlayed into so many other things. Um, number one that I can think of is your humanitarian efforts. Talk to us about what space you're in right now when it comes to your humanitarian efforts, your connection to Africa, and, and the work that you're doing there. So about two years ago, I was invited to come to Ghana to do a mission trip, which was actually my first mission trip. I had no clue. My first time to Africa what I was getting myself into, but I was like, oh, this is an opportunity to go to Africa and help people, so let me go. I went, um, and needless to say, it changed my life. Um, I loved every moment of the 30 days I spent there. Um, so I wound up actually um, deciding last minute this let me, year. Let me pause you right there. He spent 30 days in Africa, which tells you what? He does this full time. It's not like he's back, oh, I can't, I can't go because I got, I got a clock in at work. This is his full time thing. He's a professional. Go ahead. I just wanted to make sure everybody was clear about that. Yeah, so um, uh, I decided this year, two weeks 
prior to going that I was going to go back to Ghana, but this time I was going to collect donations, uh, school supplies, clothing, um, tennis shoes, and go to Ghana and spend two weeks and be a blessing to some, some villages and some people that I met the year prior. So shout out to uh, you, Rock Mitchell, to help me put this amazing video together that actually wheeled it all in and um, within, I think, a week's time after posting that video, um, I received enough money to go to Africa. I just uh, got more than enough donations and we was actually able to go to Ghana and bless four different villages, three schools, and cut a check for a school that was financed by a local person in the village. So um, it's, it's been an amazing journey. That that's crazy. So, through you know, you already had the vision, but I think you know sometimes when we talk about pictures and video, it helps tell your story in a different way. And the one thing I appreciate about you is you knew how to market. It. Once you had that piece of content, you blasted it and did it the right way. Where I think I sent you the content and you put it up several times, you know, and then just looking at it, just seeing the list of ninety hundred. 120 comments and then actually going seeing the link to your um, what was it uh, uh, GoFundMe and going to that link and seeing that the amount of money that you were raised because you utilized the content in the right way so if you're going to use a photographer if you're going to use a videographer use the content the right way in terms of don't just post it one time keep posting it till you get the return that you want and you were able to use that to bless folks I mean you took like clothes over there you right. took you took shoes, you took money. Like, n not a lot of people are doing that. Like, the only other person I've seen do stuff like that is, like, Casey Neistat. Like, that's some big boy stuff. And, like, what, what gave you the heart to do that? Um, actually, because I went last year. And, see, I went last year not knowing what the needs was. So this year, they was begging me to come back. But my schedule was so tight. But I was like, you know what? I got to make time for this because... I told these people I was going to come back to this this year and I wanted to be a man of my word, but I didn't want to go empty handed because I actually this time knew what the need was. So I knew what the need was. I used social media as my platform and um, made it happen. So we were talking to uh, Lord Funk yesterday uh, or a few days ago, and we were talking about the power of social media and how she's using social media to help people through confession to self heal. And you're leveraging social media kind of in the same way that you're using it to help source and fund these humanitarian projects that you have going on. What's your next step in your humanitarian efforts? Like, what is it that you, what, what's the next big move for uh, Out of the Box? So, um, actually, in a few weeks, I'll be doing a meeting to gather up 10 people. So, I have about 60 or 70 people that say they want to go, but I want to narrow it down to 10 people that I know will bring something to the table and not complain because mission work is not easy. I always tell people it's not a vacation. You know, I'm not staying in a five-star hotel. Sometimes there's no electricity. There's no hot water. So all those amenities that I'm used to having at home, I don't have. So I'm grabbing a team of 10 people to go to Ghana in 2018 um, and, and see what everybody can bring to the table um, and be a blessing again. I did not get my invitation to go to Ghana. I'm feeling like some kind of way right now. I need to get my, after this, we, me and him going to duke it out over my invitation. I don't care how much it costs. Let me know. I want to go to Ghana. Oh, we, we can make that happen. 
that's, good. That's easy. Good. So let's also talk about you. We, we were talking about some things you got you have coming up today. Actually, talk talk to us about that. That's crazy. What you got going today? Uh, yeah. So actually, about forty five minutes before we started this podcast, um, the curator from the Smithsonian where I had my work at um, told me he was going to be doing some work in Baltimore this evening. And uh, he was bringing a big name photographer from out of New York. But then he thought about me in Baltimore and, you know, some of my work. So he asked me, would I mind coming in, um, speaking about my work and speaking about uh, humanitarian work as well as um, doing a question and access segment. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, and then I, right after that, I'm be, uh, part of an art show from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. at the Graffiti Warehouse. So, you know, it's, big, it's a lot of things going on. Like, God is just blessing me above and beyond my expectations. So he's super humble and usually sort of like, you know, I got it popping in the streets, you know. Uh, you know, I'm out here getting it any kind of way I can. But that's not him. He's super, super humble. Um, let's go back two years. Freddie Gray. I know you got a lot of traction, a lot of publication behind the whole Freddie Gray uprising situation. And you spent a lot of time in the street with the people documenting that experience. What was that like for you? Um, so actually, when I, I remember clearly, like when I first heard it was happening, um, it was a lot of commotion, a lot of chaos, and I just kept saying to myself I can't really believe that this is actually happening and right in my city so you know um, I was like man as a photographer as someone that's documented history I can't miss this opportunity but I wanted to be, do things something totally different because I already I seen what CNN was doing I seen what um, all the news publications was doing and what they was doing was just documenting the chaos and craziness because of course that's what keep people's attention on TV. That's what they think. Uh-huh. But what I did was actually go out and, and document the unity part of uh, the healing, the um, just the family, just the Baltimore that I remember back growing up in the 80s and 90s where you've seen people out cleaning the blocks. You've seen people in circles praying. Uh, I, I mean, it just took me back there, but nobody actually documented that. So luckily, while I was out, um, I met one of the curators from uh, Smithsonian, but I had no clue he was because he didn't go around saying that. He just um, tapped me on my shoulder and said, hey, are you a real photographer? Are you just somebody out here shooting? And I said, no, I'm a real photographer, actually. Gave my business card. Um, he never said who he was from. And he just, you know, uh, about two weeks later, I get an email, and he said, hey, I met you at Mondama, blah, blah, blah. I go to the bottom of the email, and I see that he's the curator from the Smithsonian. And I was like, okay, this is a joke. Because I remember a year prior, I literally prayed that God, if I could just have my work featured in the Smithsonian, that would be like one of the big things on my, on my um, not a bucket list, but just my list of accomplishments. Uh-huh. So, so this particular work, if people want to see it, if they go to the Smithsonian, they'll be able to see your collection there. Yeah, yes. Um, when you come in, you go down the escalator. It's on the lower level. It's an exhibit called more than a photo, more than a picture. Okay, so with that being said, this has been an awesome talk we've had. I want people to be able to contact you, follow you on social media, and learn more about you in your travels. Not only in your travels, but in your work and in your your attempt to be a light in Africa and here in America. Um, give us your streams of uh, social as well as 
uh, any correspondence, mailing, P.O. box, whatever you have, so we can contact you. Okay, so um, on Facebook, um, Jermaine Unique Eye. On Instagram, um, Unique Eye. On um, Twitter, um, Unique Eye. My email is info at otbphotography.net. My LinkedIn is Jermaine Gibbs. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all the ways you can reach out to me. Okay, and keep in mind that Jermaine is open to do your personal photography as well. Um, you have to reach out for a consultation. Don't mention my name because it's not going to come with a, a, a 10% <laughs> off coupon. If you want to have a conversation about me, I would love it. But um, he, he's, he's one of the best, and he has a tribe of photographers that are with him that also produce some of Baltimore and the East Coast uh, most amazing photography and pictures. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you to forget to follow your boy Rock Mitchell on the uh, Instagram, which is Rock Mitchell. Twitter's Rock Mitchell. Uh, remember, the website's going to be up on December 1. And um, amazing talk with my friend, the international photojournalist and humanitarian, Jermaine Gibbs. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. This is Jermaine Gibbs, international photojournalist and humanitarian, and you're listening to Rock Mitchell on the Social Vice podcast, where it don't take that long to get it right.